All right, thank you guys for that. There always is room for one more. Now, let's talk about, I'm going to talk a little bit about anxiety today and uh, worries, fears. And uh, I happen to be the president of the Worry and Fear and Anxiety Club. Uh, now, I love NA, and, and a quick, a quick disclaimer, I love NA, we love NA and AA. I wonder if I make fun of that. Great organization, do great stuff. But, uh, and I got a plaque here. I got a plaque to show you how great I am as far as worry and anxiety. This is a, like a graduation diploma. This says, give it to God and go to sleep. That's, that, that's new in my household, but I think that's like a diploma for me, and I'm, I'm real proud of that. So uh, I don't know if I just grew up a worrier and anxiety. I always blame my dad because he was a worrier. Um, and maybe I absorb that. Maybe it's in my DNA. I don't know. It's just something I've always had. I know when I get to see the Lord, he's going to say this to me. He's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a good line. He's going to look at me and, look at me and say, what were you thinking? <laughs> I wasn't. I was just worrying and I was anxious and fearful the whole time. That's what I'm going to say. I say, and I really, I kept blowing the darn thing. So that's kind of how that was. But anyway, that's me. But you know, I am not alone. I don't know about you. But anxiety, 50 million Americans suffer from some sort of uh, uh, anxiety, worries, fears, concerns, that kind of deal. And they, they use all kinds of things. In fact, interesting. I, I was driving back to Oklahoma City last night, and there was a big sign. It said, anxiety, dot, 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 CBD. Right, okay, I get it, I get it. I get it. Some people may, and I'm not down on use of drugs. Some people need that. I, get, I understand that. But people, that's kind of a, a place uh, that many people go, uh, be it Xanax, Valium, whatever. But I think the gospel has something to say to people like me who are worriers, fearful, and anxiety. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we get there, i got one more thing i got to show you. Now, you know, in this church, we have some great preachers. Uh, Howard Griffin, Kim Talley here. We have Orlando Lopez. We have Dan Carter. Those guys are great, pre great preachers. And I'm what, we, I'm what they call the closer here. I'm the closer. The last Sunday of the year, and I just got to put on my shirt here. If you notice, this shirt kind of shows what kind of guy I am. If you're, a, if you're a baseball guy, a closer is a guy who comes in at the end and shuts things down. And this guy is a pretty good dude. This is Mario. I have this. It says, is it not the Yankee thing? But anyway, uh, Mario Rivera is a great guy. And he's kind of a closer. So I just wanted you all to know that that's kind of my role here today, is kind of the closer for the team, right? All right, which is good. I'm delighted to be the closer, and I'm glad we have a church with some great folks who really, really preach so well. May we pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your uh, presence here. We thank you that you took on our anxiety, our fears, and our worries, that we may not have to live with that. Uh, we're taking on responsibility we were never meant to have. Lord, we do thank you that you're firmly in charge. Uh, you're in control. You're working your purposes and plans out. Lord, may the time here today speak to our hearts about uh, your love and your provision and your plan. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, I want to look at a passage of Scripture. Uh, this is Psalm 1, uh, 100, number 4. 104. It says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Now, um, I, as I said, I grew up in a home. I guess, really, uh, my parents provided for so much stuff. They really did as I grew up. I grew up. But, you know, I was kind of the mentality, that's what parents are supposed to do. 
They're supposed to provide. I don't remember really ever being thankful. I don't remember ever telling my mom thanks for the food she prepared. I don't remember thanking Dad for providing for my college education. I just assumed, I, was, I kind of felt like that's what they were supposed to do. Parents do that kind of thing. Uh, you might say, was I entitled? We use that kind of phrase. People who aren't thankful, they, they're, they're owed something. People owe them something. A lot of people live life that way. They feel like they're entitled or they're owed something. I think a much healthier way to live life is to be thankful for things. And this passage talks about it in Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. It seems right to be thankful. If you received, I hope you did, some uh, Christmas gifts, when you receive those gifts, if the person's in the room, what do you say? Thank you. Right. So it's kind of like, like a circle. You receive a gift, you respond with thankfulness, right? And that's healthy in a, in a, in a human situation, particularly as far as the Lord and what we're given. In a few minutes, we're going to have a little time of sharing about things we're thankful for. And hopefully you can think about a few things. You may be able to say them today, you may not, whatever. But a lot of things that we take for granted uh, were really, uh, really debtors. Uh, the Bible says every good gift we have comes from God. So everything you have, you think the health you have, the ability you had to get here today, uh, the family you're a part of, the church family, salvation in Christ. You can start with the big things in the world, but every, every good gift you have, everything that's good in your life, is really uh, comes from a divine giver. And uh, how much do we live life in a thankful way? I don't know. I don't know about you. I, I think it's so easy to see the glass, what, half empty, not half full. We live life worried about this and this, or scared, or fearful, that kind of thing. The Bible, the, the, the most uh, common command in Scripture is do not fear. Do not fear. That's a common, common uh, command in the God's Word. But we do fear. We do worry. We are anxious. We are overly concerned. And I mentioned a minute ago, those are things we're not, we weren't meant to carry. They weren't ours to, to handle. But we take those on. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's a verse of Scripture that is probably the most referred to Bible verse. And you might think John 3.16. But actually, it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And the Bible verse basically says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. You, you can see why that's the most referred to verse. Because all the anxiety, the worries, the fears, that particularly Americans carry. Be anxious something for nothing but it talks about being about, about praying and the interesting thing about this prayer be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving so almost you're thanking god in advance for something he's going to do so there's this so that's why i want to challenge you all in thinking today is being thankful looking forward we'll talk more about that so there's one sense of being thankful for what god has done but something else about being thankful even before it happens and having a thankful mindset. Ephesians 5.20 is this, this kind of mind blower if you get your mind around Ephesians 5.20. And it says this, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't leave much out there. Twice it says always giving thanks to God the Father for some things, no, for Everything. Now, you say, whoa, 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 whoa. 
There's a lot of stuff that happens in life that it's kind of difficult to be thankful for that. There's just no way. Cancer, no way for accidents that happen to people, you know, for uh, closed doors, for frustrations. Uh, There's just so many things in life. How can we be thankful for that? How can anybody in the right mind be thankful for so much stuff that goes on? But I think the scripture's moving us that direction. So that's my third question, little ally. Oh, matter of fact, you have little red things in your pews, right? Little red things. I, I'm kind of known to have, I love handouts. I confess, I do. And uh, so you have a little handout there. And on one side, I'll tell you the back side in a second. But on the front side, there's, there's a little, little handout, a little direction there. So the question is this, briefly. Uh, how can we, how can we give thanks always? Really? How, think about that. How can we do that? Uh, Henry Blackaby, there are two, two reasons why I think we can be thankful as we look forward, as we worry and fear and anxiety. There are two reasons I think we can be thankful. Henry Blackaby uh, tells a great, uh, a very effective story that he, his daughter uh, got cancer. And so when your daughter gets cancer, you know, all the kind of things, you know, God, what are you doing? And, and you know, why'd you do this? And, and you know, you're, are you being mean and cruel? There's nothing she did to deserve this cancer. And so Blackaby says this, you know, uh, God's love for my daughter was settled at the cross of Christ. It's good. God's love, her cancer doesn't change God's love for her one bit. God's love for my daughter was settled at the cross of Christ. Nothing changes that. Now, you, know, you have concerns. So C.S. Lewis, when C.S. Lewis lost his, his wife, he said, well, yeah, I know who God is. I'm, I'm struggling about his character, but I trust him. I trust him because Lewis had the idea that God's love for his, uh, for his wife, in this case, Blackaby's love for his daughter, was settled at the cross of Christ. Nothing will happen, in, like we believe, and that's a good, good, good phrase, nothing will happen to you that has not been through God's loving hands first. The second, little, the second point, besides God's love being settled at the cross for you, that's where it was settled. Everything that goes on in your life doesn't change God's love. That's solid. The other thing I want to mention, I think how, why we can also be thankful in the future is this, because God redeems all he allows. God redeems all he allows. So a lot of things, you know, aren't made good in themselves. It's destructive. It's a bad thing. But the amazing thing of the gospel is that God can use even the bad stuff and he weaves that for his purposes and his plans. The, the, the theological term is God is sovereign. He's at work. He's in charge. He's working his purposes out. And that's, that's the great news. The, great, the best example of God using something really, really terrible for good is the cross of Christ. Again, here's something, an innocent man suffering a, a terrific death. Uh, how injustice, how wrong is that? God weave that for our salvation. He used the cross of Christ for the beautiful purpose of saving you and I. So that's probably the best example of God redeeming everything he allows. So those two things. I think we can always be thankful. One, because God's love is solid. It's a foundation to build your life upon. Secondly, is a sovereign work of God. He's in charge, working his purposes out. Now let me, let me quickly, I'm going to tell a, a few little stories. Ah, not yet. Don't get to that one. Not yet. Ah, that's the conclusion. Ah, don't get that. Don't go there yet. I'll come back back in a minute. The, um, all right. Let me tell you five little stories real quick. And um, just want to say how God uses things that are not good and are not good for his purposes. 
And I just, and it, these are five stories from my life. And maybe you've heard some of these before, and that's okay. But these, I want to say these in kind of context. These were not good things. And God redeemed them, used those for his purposes and plans. Um, when I was in high school, I finally asked a girl out for, for a date. And uh, about the week of, before this basketball banquet happened, she called me up and said, uh, sorry, Murray, cannot go out with you. So I had my grandmother coming here from Alaska. It's out. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so uh, at, the, at school the next day, at school the next day, this is like, oh, my gosh, this really happened. Anyway, if I have, these, these things happen to you. This, this guy came and said, hey, Murray, I found out why Lisa would not go out with you to the basketball banquet. Like a lamb led to slaughter. I walked up and said, yeah, what? And, she, and he said, she won't go out with you because she said, you look like a gorilla. <laughs> okay, wow. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm going, whoa, you know, I'm a, I'm a gorilla. So anyway, so that was kind of a self, you know, I didn't grow up in a home, a lot of, not a lot of hugs, not a lot of I love yous. You know, in junior high, high school boys, you know, the humor's all put down humor, right? That's just kind of stuff that's going on. So I really have this kind of, so I feel this kind of rejection. Don't feel like, ah, I'm, I'm a zero, I'm a nothing. Well, God used that rejection when I really heard the gospel, really after, really when I was a first year in college, that God loved me. That he knew me inside out and loved me anyway. That need that I had, that terrible you know, self-esteem, was something God used to bring me to Christ. So I think, again, terrible thing, uh, God used for his purposes and plans. A little later in high school, um, uh, an idol, I think mean, the best definition of an idol is anything, that whatever you think most about, is your God. That's, that's an idol. Whatever you think most about, what, what grabs your heart? What grabs your mind? What grabs your, your focus? I think that's probably, that's what an idol is. So there are many idols we can have. We can have family, your family could be an idol. Job could be an idol. Your health could be an idol. Uh, your success could be an idol. Uh, your pleasure could be an idol. Your travel could be an idol. A lot of things you just, you live for. I mean, you can say it that way, or idols. So in high school, because it, it, probably because there weren't girls involved, I played a lot of basketball, right? So I felt better about it when I was on the basketball court. But in my senior year, something that was really my idol, it was your all in all, it's where you get your self-esteem from. All of a sudden it was taken because I didn't start. All of a sudden I was a backup, I was a sub, I was basically back to kind of a nothing. And so, oh, it's kind of like, you know, it, it was a frustration. It was disappointment. It was uh, a loss of a dream. And that can happen in a lot of areas in your life, right? But it was, a, it was a bad thing in a sense. But it was a good thing. Because God was speaking to me, Murray, it's not about you. It's not about you being the, in the spotlight. It's not like you being the upfront guy. It's like, hey, you have gifts, but it's different than that. Um, you're, you're a different kind of a servant role. You're, you're to use your gifts in a different way than being... In the, in the spotlight or whatever. So God used something that was, that was a crusher at that point in my life to really speak to the idea of, hey, you're, I have a different role for you, not the role that you think. And so something bad, God really used that for good. When I was in college as well, I thought, hmm, I want to go on Young Life staff. I want to work with high school kids. I wanted to uh, uh, win kids for Christ. I wanted to, and I thought Young Life was a venue. But Young Life's a parachurch organization that works with high school kids. And so I applied, and went to, I applied to Fuller Seminary, and I applied for the Young Life program, and I sent my application out, and I thought this would be a great direction for my life. Well, I never heard, never heard, never heard, never heard. I had another friend who worked at, at 
uh, Hollywood Presbyterian Church, and he, he uh, had, there was a position there. He called me up and said, hey, Murray, would you be open to working at Hollywood Presbyterian Church? I said, sure. I hadn't heard from him like. So a door was closed, a door was shut. Not a good thing. Door shut, closed, basically saying, nope, uh, you know, you don't qualify. When a door was shut, a bad thing ended up being a good thing that God used to direct my path in a certain different direction. I ended up working with high school kids for 10 years, and I've been here ever since. So the idea is that God shuts doors, bad thing, but uses it for good for his purposes and plans. When we uh, came here, we had two boys. We were happy with two boys, and Jerry said, he'll go shopping with me my old age. So I said, okay, well, we'll try again. So we tried again, and we got triplets out of that deal. So at first, uh, Jerry's worst, worst, worst moment was when the doc said they were all boys. I thought, good, basketball team. I was in. But, um, you know, that was, uh, anyway, it being two girls and a boy. So everybody, that, that was a great thing. But here we were, triplets. And people, I remember people from, and many of you all, well-meaning, would come up and say, oh, God knew you could handle it. Yeah, kind of, that was a good line. But uh, anyway, we thought, uh, Mother Teresa, it became our quote, uh, our, our theme of triplets in all those early years when we had the five kids. Mother Teresa said, I know God won't give me more than I can handle, but I wish he wouldn't trust me so much. <laughs> that was more appropriate. Yes, it was. So here we were, oh my gosh, overwhelmed. Thank goodness for Jerry's mother, who was a night owl. She would come by. But about 30 of you all, and many, uh, some have gone to be with Jesus, and many of you all are still here. About 30 uh, people came to our house, they brought food, they changed diapers, thank the Lord. They uh, cleaned the house, they did all kind of stuff for nine months. So here, here we were, needy, I mean we were knee deep and whatever, needy folks. But the, our needs, bad thing, needs, gave people, the body of Christ, opportunity to minister to us. So need, you think, oh, you know, so much better to you know, feel like you're part of the solution and you're helping others and that kind of thing. But sometimes God uses our needs and our shortcomings and our hurts, those kind of things, to do things. And the body of Christ came around us. And we still remember those years. Those In fact, we had our, our children, the triplets were baptized. We had all the women who came up and helped us there, uh, during that time to be part of that baptism. So again, but our needs, and I were, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for those times now. I can look back upon it. The last thing I'd say as far as my experience, as far as needs, would be this. Well, when you, when you become a parent, I don't know if you all have been parents, but you, if, you, if, you don't think, if, you, if you think you're in control of your life before you have kids, you find out then you're not in control. You have no control. Now, no control? Is that a bad thing? Well, when God shows up and does miraculous things, even no control can be a good thing, Right? Um, I think about, it. We, we had difficult days, there were hard times, and I think about those days in that, uh, um, uh, the best way to say it, I, I, I say when I'm talking about kids, probably about 80% of my time talking about our kids, and, and Luke, one of our kids is here today, but about 80% of my time talking about our kids is about the hard times, the painful times, because um, people identify with that, people identify with that, when you talk about, oh, how your kids are doing great, people kind of nod their head and go, that's cool. But they don't really, you know, that doesn't, when you talk about the hurts and the pains of being a parent, people go, ah, you too. So there's something about when you go through those hurts and pains, people identify with that. So it gives you a chance to share your story. And people like to hear that. But, but God's sovereignty again comes into play. God's provision, who he is. Me not being in control 
gives God an opportunity to be in charge. Because really, when you're, when, you're on your, when you're on your knees and when you're praying, and that's the most you can do, right? Really, God shows up. And God is the one who really changes lives anyway, right? I mean, there's only so much a parent can do or a friend can do or a pastor can do. There's only really so much we can do to make things how we see going in the right direction. Um, but God has a different plan. And so that need of not being controlled gives God an opportunity to be at work. So you can see, as I talk about it, rejection, frustration, disappointment, shut doors, being needy, loss of control. These are things we can be thankful for uh, because God's at work. He's, doing, he's working his purposes and plans out. And that really is good news. It's great news. 